Wall Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. And well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Kozlowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Electricity and gas. They power this country. Since electricity was found by Benjamin Franklin and his chose... Presidential dick! It has gone from just a luxury to a necessity. We all depend on electricity and gas to fuel our daily lives. Without it, we would be left in the dark and cold. The average American spends $144 a month on electricity. And I want to know how because my electric bill was only $20 last month. So I don't know what y'all are doing. You just leave the lights on or something. But I digress. Today, we look at the story of Howard Hobson and the AG&E Company. An electric company that fueled the nation, but ultimately scammed investors and lined the pockets of the rich. Find out what happened on today's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. How much was your electric bill last month? Uh, like a hundred bucks. All right. So less than average is what I is what I'm seeing. Yep. If the American average one forty four. I'm coming in less than average. Perfect. And only less than average in that. I'm not less than average in anything else. It's not what I heard. Anything. Don't. Yeah, right. You have the tiniest nipples I've ever seen. People listen. (laughs) Don't bring it up. (laughs) Kashan has tiny nipples. Kashan has tiny nipples. I feel like my nipples are seven times the size of your nipples. Stop. They used to call me nano nipples (laughs) in middle school. Nano nipples? Yeah, I made that up, but that would have been a really good one if they did call me My nipples are so much bigger than yours. I I don't know. I'm putting that out there. Don't need to know, but that that's the bar is low. I have very small nipples. On that note, you know who else had small nipples? <laughs> I don't think we can say that. I bet this guy had big old baloney nipples. Um, I get I get a good um pepperoni vibe from this guy. People in the 1800s had large nipples. I don't You are making that up. Yeah, there's no science to back it up, but like doesn't it sound right? Like, people in the 1800s had big nips. No, I don't think they would have because they don't have the hormones that we put in all of our food today. Okay. So their nipples were probably smaller than ours. Okay, whatever you say. Women's breasts were typically smaller back then, so their nipples wouldn't be as big. I know. Look at how far we've come. (laughs) (laughs) I grabbed my boob and made Kashana uncomfortable. Uh. I'm uncomfy. Good. Let's talk about Howard Colwell, please. Yes, let's do it. So, Howard... Colwell Hobson was born on May 8th, 1882 in Atkinson, Wisconsin. We're going back in the time machine for this one, folks. Olden one, 1882. That was um, 20 years after the end of the Civil War. Oh, wow. That's kind of crazy to think about. So, mm. All right. Well, his father, Edgar, was a nursery salesman, and his mother was Mary Colwell. And I'm guessing she was a stay-at-home mom. And I know what you're about to ask me. What the fuck is a nursery salesman? Oh, it's next. I didn't well, see that. I looked it up. And a nursery salesman does, and I'm pretty sure this is what he does. From everything I could find is that he sold plants. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Um, and there's a shocking number of nursery salesman jobs out there right now. Like, if really? you type in nursery salesman, there's like a bunch of jobs that come up on Indeed and shit. Okay. So you too could sell plants. Sounds like you sell babies though, right? Um, that's, that's what I was getting at. Like you, if you, I, yeah, because it's out, yeah, like a baby nursery. Like it's a slang term for people who sell babies on the black market. Like, hey, my friend John, he's a nursery salesman. I think that's not covert enough. So if you're looking for triplets at a discount price, buy two, get one free. Um, when Hobson was young, he would work in a brick and wire factory. He sold newspapers and he edited a newspaper. He was a busy little bee. Yeah, you know, just newspaper editor slash journalist slash and you know brick and wire maker. Well, it's funny. We're going to talk more about newspapers later, too. He attended the University of Wisconsin. Go, Go Badgers. Badgers. I looked up what their mascot was. No, I just kind of knew. I thought it was that. For his undergraduate degree, and then he attended George Washington University for his master's degree. Just like our forefathers would have intended. And George Washington University is actually a really good school, so that's impressive. Granted, this was like 120 years ago, so I don't know how good the school was back then. But I, I feel like schools were just... They couldn't have been good, right? You just sh- I, feel I feel like, like you just showed been, up. I feel like some of them couldn't have been bad. Yeah, but I, I just feel like if you were rich, you, they would just basically hand you a degree. I feel like you went to class and they all were just like, how does everyone feel today? I feel like you didn't actually I feel learn like they much. Didn't, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, probably not. Because they also didn't know anything. They were like, the air is full of... They're like, of bad ah, vibes, yes. bro, and it's killing people. They're like, ah, yes, when your patient has a fever, um, administer the slugs onto their arms and have them suck out the blood, and it will get rid of the fever. Now, interanal leeches should only be used Did in diet. Really... No, no, I don't, at least I don't think so, not that I know it. Oh, my <laughs> God. Um, during his undergraduate years, he studied under Richard Theodore Eli and John R. Commons. Now, I was originally going to let this go and not say anything about these men, but then curiosity got the better of me, and I looked up who they were. Richard T. Eli was an American economist and a leader of the progressive movement. He called for the government to intervene with capitalism and wanted to get rid of child labor and unfair working conditions. He was the founder and secretary of the American Economic Association, or the AEA. What a Debbie Downer, man. This guy is the reason that kids aren't in factories? You Mm You know how more efficient our factories would be if this man didn't exist? I don't agree with you because I work with children and they're dumb. Yeah, but they're replaceable because you can make another one and they get they get to like factory working age in like six years. Move to China. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> problem solved. Move to China. And John R. Commons was an American institutional economist and a progressive and labor historian. This guy was cool. He fought for voting rights for the black community and also advocated their representation in government positions, which which back then, not that was a hot take that wasn't so hot. Yeah. Yeah. Very cold take back then. This one I support. The child labor one. Mm-hmm. It's available. <laughs> I think it will be interesting to see how this story ends up playing out um, and what happens considering that he studied under these two people. Under his universe, in his university years. Yeah, so these are two, I mean, people that fought for stuff that we would see as, I mean, genuinely progressive for the time period mm-hmm. and good things to fight for, right? Yes. But this guy is the subject of one of our podcasts. So, Ugh. not great. Especially someone who wanted to intervene with capitalism. 
mm-hmm. which is yeah, that was the direct what was so, antithesis to what most people are trying. Yeah, to do he wanted a more socialist situation in the United States. He thought that companies were getting too big, and he wanted the com- yeah. Eighteen eighty two. Yeah, if he could see the metaverse, <laughs> uh, he would not be okay right now. I'm sure he's rolling over in his grave. Good thing he's dust. And in 1907. Hobson started working for the Interstate Commerce Commission. In 1910, he gained his law degree and his MA, and it was said that he was admitted to serve in front of the Supreme Court three years later. He married Eleanor Evans on August 5th, 1921, and unfortunately, their marriage was cut short because Eleanor committed suicide by jumping out of a window in 1923. Whoa! Yeah. What? And this is what it's like if you're going to marry a lawyer, am I right? Bummer, dude. Bummer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was like, I read that and I was like, (gasps) I wasn't expecting it. It was a turn. It was a plot twist. What they were then, only married, they were only married two years and she jumped out the window. Man, this guy must suck. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. On October 26, 1908, the New York Public Service Commission hired Hobson as a secretary of the president of the Commerce Commission. Not the president of the United States of the Commerce Commission. President of Wait, the- this is the New York Public Service Commission, though, right? Not the Interstate Com- Commerce Commission? Yes. The New York Public Service Commission then hired Hobson as a secretary for the president of the New York Public Service Commission. Okay. That makes sense? Yes. Okay. Then five years later, he was the head of the Division of Capitalization. And from 1908 to 1915, he was one of the most important men in New York public utility regulation. Wow. He was pretty... uh, The one of of the most... (laughs) Name one one important person in New York public utility regulation right now. Howard Hobson. Right now. Oh, I don't know. Howard Hobson is dead. I don't know. Exactly. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> People in New York with electric do. I don't know what any of these things are. Well, what? I don't really either, to be honest <laughs> with you. And you know what? Never mind. Every Anyways. time we talk about government jobs and sh- or things like this, it always just seems like nonsense. It is nonsense. Nothing in the government functions correctly. So it is nonsense. All of their jobs are nonsense. Yeah, it's fair. My arms are flailing. I'm frustrated. You look like one of those those inflatable things outside of car dealerships. (laughs) I'll take the Toyota Tacoma, please. I wish everyone could see what I was just doing. I was being silly. I was doing. And when Hobson was old, <laughs> apparently he used to brag and say, and I quote, the only laws he couldn't get around were the ones he wrote himself. Yeah, that's stupid because like, those are the ones you should be able to get around. Right. But he was like, no, he was saying the only ones that he couldn't get around. He was like, oh, I, was, I made it so strict that even I couldn't do it. But everything else. Oh. Fuck it. Okay. This is a lawyer bragging about breaking the law? Yeah. This is weird. It was the early 1900s. Hobson left the Public Service Commission in 1915 and opened a consulting business, H.C. Hobson and Company. Another fake, a fake job, a consulting business? Mm-hmm. His company handled the accounts for the American Telephone and Telegraph. Which company is that? 
It's AT&T. It sure is. I never knew what that stood for. Mm -hmm. I didn't either until I typed it out. And uh, the Consolidated Gas Company of New York and the Electric Bond and Share Company. And by 1921, Hobson made about $100,000 a year, which in today's money is about $1,500,000. So he is a very rich man. Yeah, he could buy one Bugatti Veyron. What? (laughs) What was that? How? I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess I was going to say there's no way you could buy a person for one and a half million dollars, but you probably could. Haven't you gone on that website to see how much someone how much you're actually worth? No. What are you even talking about? (laughs) There's a website where you type in all your stats. My stats, like this yeah. is a video game. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I got a fourteen. That gives me a that gives me a strength modifier plus. Yeah, two. you type in your stats. You're like a D and D character. Okay. Yeah, and then it says that if someone were to buy you, how much you would be worth. Uh, we're gonna do it after. Oh we record. my god! We'll let you- I was over a million dollars. Great. Hobson and a man named John Mange purchased the Associated Gas and Electric Company of New York. And at the time, the company served 44,000 clients and had $3.5 million in earnings. That's pretty good for the early 1900s. Yep. AG&E, which is what I am calling it now because words are hard, was a holding company organized in 1906 that served several other gas companies. So they bought it after it had been established. Now, remember, a holding company is a company whose primary business is holding and controlling interest in sec- and interest in the securities of other companies. Yeah. Like Take if, a shot every time I said holding and company. Like if like if there was a holding company that was buying banks and it bought Bank of America, which is shortened to B O F A on its ticker, then that holding company would be holding BOFA D's nuts. <laughs> What's up, dude? <laughs> that took so long to get to the end of that. That was a that was like a five second setup to the punchline. Okay, it wasn't a bad one though. I liked it. <laughs> I did like it. All right. Wow. When Hobson purchased a controlling interest in AG and E, he started buying up more and more companies. He expanded the business to Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Maine, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and the Philippines. Okay, it was a curveball. I wasn't expecting that. I didn't even know that Americans knew about the Philippines back then. But. It was the early 19... 19- you think they just, like, didn't have maps? Well, no. Great. I think that, like, they had a globe. Like, they, they were like... This was before the Flat Earth theory. <laughs> so they were like, ah, yes, the Earth is round, but we are the only ones in it. Us in Europe, that's it. I was about to and say, like, they came from Europe, so... <laughs> I have no science to back that up. I'm just making shit up. It's wrong, so yeah. So in the 30s, AG&E's assets were worth over $1 billion and had revenues of over $133 million. They served 1.75 million people in 6,000 communities. And at its peak... AG&E was made up of 250 corporations and provided electricity, steam, ice, water, and transportation in 26 states, Canada, and the Philippines. AG&E became the nation's third largest electricity producer, and they produced 9% of the country's electricity. There was other country, there like they listed all these other companies that did the electricity, and I was like, I don't think we care. Yeah, probably. It, not. I, it, I, not, I didn't know what any of them were, to be honest with you. 
They're probably all gone now. I mean, yeah, they are. You had to like keep up with the times, right? I feel like well, or they on. weren't. They might not be quote unquote gone, but they went under a name change. Because we're gonna get to this later, but we also went through a name change. Ooh, so. Uh, AG&E became one of the top five holding companies, and it saw its stock price peaked to $61 a share, and about 500,000 people invested $1 billion into the company. Damn. Yep. That's, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, so they were doing good. They were chugging along. Um, they were... I forgot to include this, but um, the Great Depression did end up hitting them. It was a little bit of a... Oof. And it didn't help anything. I mean, still, look at this man. The son of a man who sold babies coming all the way <laughs> to owning a company that got over a billion dollars in stock valuation? He is the boss baby. Oh, my God. He does look like the boss baby, too. Hold on. I got to show you this. He's just, like, short and bald? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, I mean, here's the thing. Babies and old men basically just look the same, right? Um, no. They're short. They're bald. They got no teeth. They cry a lot. The boss, baby! Oh, my God. He's not an attractive man. That man looks like he's going to say, like, gabagoo at me. He's like, ha yeah, titties. Oh, this, this, this man, yeah. It looks like he got, he looks a little. my neighbor. One of his eyes kind of looks like Lil Nicky's. Like, he looks like he got hit in the face with a shovel too hard. He probably did. He looks like a fuckhead. Well, this cute little story about diapers to riches is about to get real uncute. <laughs> Diaper rash to riches. That's... Di- diapers to riches, the riches, the Howard Hobson story. <laughs> A white collar red hands documentary. Oh, God. Well, in- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 1937, a senator whose name was Hugo Black, that's a real name, he, who was a senator and an associate justice of the Supreme Court later in life, um, began investigating utility companies who may have in, had influence in the Wheeler-Rayburn Act. We're going to find out more about that in just a second. So, the act was a federal law that gave the SEC authority to regulate, license, and break up electric utility holding companies. That doesn't sound very good for A&E. Now, does it? No. No. It limited companies to a single state and would make them subject to state regulation. Is this why every single state now has their own like power company? You know, I didn't think of that when I'm, I was doing this research, but that is probably why. I'm about to see that has to be what it is because literally every, like, I've only lived in two, three states, but every single state. Yeah, they all have their own electricity. And wasn't this kind of taken away when around Enron? Because that's what, that's like when they bought like the Pacific Gas and Electric Company. Mm-hmm. Mm, all right. Utility companies have basically always been evil is what I'm getting yeah. at. We've covered multiple utility companies at this point. Yeah, we have. They all have ulterior motives. All companies do. I was trying to think of a electric pun, but I can't think of one. Well, They're not very bright, are they? No. 
I'm just really not feeling the spark on this one. Yeah, no. Okay, that's it. Um, <laughs> the law was also put in pr- place to keep these electric companies out, or these um, utility holding companies out of unrelated business. Now, we already talked about AG&E. It's in Massachusetts. It's in Manhattan. New- Manhattan. <laughs> Welcome the new state of Manhattan. New Hampshire and Maine is what I meant. Um, you know, it's in a bunch of different places, and this was going to fuck it up if this passed, you know? And um, the bill was opposed by many members of the American Utility Executives. and they, You don't say. Yeah, and they sent about 97,000 telegrams to the members of the House leading up to the bill. That's a lot of fucking telegrams. Damn. Is there a spam folder for telegrams or like... Probably. It was called the trash can. I was about to say, it's just a guy going like, that one's dumb. (laughs) Grow your penis in three weeks or less. Ah, you don't want this one. He's like, I already fell for this. You don't want this one. He folds it, puts it in his pocket. He's like... (laughs) You don't... Yeah, this one's one's not worth anything. I'm going to keep this one for me. (laughs) The investigation was studying large propaganda campaigns. A study by the Federal Trade Commission in 1934 said that this was probably, and I quote, the greatest peacetime propaganda campaign ever conducted by private interests in this country. Black, who was, remember, he's the senator. Hugo Black. Hugo Black. That actually sounds like a porn star name. Probably is. Yeah, probably. He discovered 250,000 telegrams, many of which were forged. (gasps) The investigators were clued in on the forgery. Okay, this is funny. Um, they are clued in on the forgery because there are high amounts of last names that started with the first letters of the alphabet. And 14% of the names started with the letter B. That's how shitty investigating was back then. They're like, hey, this is suspicious. Lots of A names. There's a lot of Bs. Only you- A, 14% of these. It's like, do you know anyone with the... Last name that starts with a letter B? I, I don't know a lot of B last names. And they're just... They're, Something's not adding up. They're just other common last names, but they start with a B. This is... This is... Bushmith. Oh, okay, Brown. This one's normal. Bushmith. Yeah. Bajones. Uh, <laughs> Johnson. This is weird, right? Um, according to a Western Union operator, during the time that the bill was between the House and the Senate, Mr. Heron, which who was official of the Utilities Investigating Corporation, which was a I'm sorry, Utilities Investing Corporation, which was a subsidiary of AG&E, would come in almost daily for an hour or two, and he would dictate these messages to me and the signatures, and his signatures were obtained from a list which he had in his hand or from the city director. This next one is from uh, uh, Bajames. Bajames? Are these, is this real, Mr. Heron? Yes, it's real. This is serious. <laughs> Write the telegram. So the way that they got these signatures was by bribing messenger boys, and they would pay them three cents per signature. So who cares where they're getting these signatures from as long as they have signatures? That's all that really matters. And all these kids knew what to make up were B last name. If they're just, if it's just kids, just forge a bunch of different signatures. It can't look that different, right? I would assume not. Like, these kids can't be great calligraphers like Jesus. Yeah. 
I don't know. Just write a bunch of last names. Right. Exactly. The corporations also pay lobbyists and would also buy controlling interest in newspapers or they would drop them from their advertisement list. So like if you don't let me promote your ship in your newspaper, I'm pulling my ad. And so in August of 1935, Hobson admitted that he attempted to change the policy of new, of a newspaper and threatened to drop his ads from the New York Times, the Hearst Companies, Scripps Howard, and many other local newspapers. Now remember, at this time, newspapers were the shit. Hey, did you see Tuesday's newspaper? Yeah, Howard Hobson dropped his ad. Can you believe it? Anyway, time to get back to dying of chlamydia. It's 1920s. I don't know. Those people probably died from that. Um, Kashan accidentally just foreshadowed something. <gasps> I was wondering why you looked at me. So I was like, that's not even close to the worst thing I've ever said. Why are you looking at me so weird? Yeah, no, you, uh, you're going to find out. Um, so Hobson sued some newspapers for libel. And it was discovered that AG&E spent over $875,000 on lobbying and that and it had not paid out dividends in several years. It was also discovered that though AG&E ended its cash and stock dividends in 1931-1932, Hobson still had a salary of over $500,000 per year. Mm. In 1935, Hobson was subpoenaed and he didn't show, which led to a nationwide Hobson hunt. Did they actually call it the Hobson hunt? <laughs> yep, apparently. That's so stupid. I like it. It's, I think it's funny. It's campy, but like, it's kind of dumb, right? It's like when the FBI started making those silly names. Yeah, like the Green River Killer, right? Yeah. <laughs> or McMillian's. Well, he was finally found and brought to court. AG&E and Hobson's examples were the reason the Public Utility Holding Company Act of 1935, or the Wheeler-Rayburn Act, ended up being passed. AG&E started consolidating their companies so that they wouldn't get broken up. In 1938, Hobson retired. He took an additional $18.7 million in bonds and billed himself for the services that he was providing for his companies. He was a little snake. He retired three years after the Hobson hunt. Yeah, there was a lot of like <laughs> backs and forths. Oh my God. So he ended up retiring. It kind of reminded me of WeWork when he like got away and he was like, I'm just going to take all this money. Bye guys. Bruh. Bruh. Um, AG&E was in a ton of debt, and on January 10th, 1940, they filed for bankruptcy. States and local communities had filed nearly 400, uh, sorry, 400 lawsuits against the company. On November 1940, shareholders charged Hobson with fraud. These charges were for a total, if they all like added up, stacked up, were for 85 years in prison, but um, we all know that that's not going to happen. He's kind of old at this point, right, too? Yeah, he, definitely. He's, he's born definitely 82, old. so he's, uh, okay, he's 58. I guess that's not terribly old. I mean, it's old for this time, right? Because mm -hmm. people only live to like 50 or 60. I don't know how old they are. On lived. average. But on January 9th, 1940, Hobson was found guilty and sentenced to five years in prison on 17 counts of mail fraud and an additional two for income tax evasion. And this is the first time in White Collar's Red Hands history that I 100% believe that this was truly mail fraud because they only had the mail. 
You don't think and you don't think anyone commits mail fraud now? I do, but it's just like what the fuck is mail fraud, you know? Like who but yeah, we you barely use the post office these days. You only use it to buy stuff online. Like, you know what I mean? No one's actually using the mail. Back then, that was a that was the driving force of this country. The this country is built on the back of the Pony Express. It was. And the fraud <laughs> that was done through it. I think it was. But Prison wasn't Hobson's true justice. By the time he was sentenced, he was nearly insane from tertiary syphilis. Ah, damn. It's funny because I was actually trying to say syphilis when I said chlamydia earlier. Yeah, yeah. I almost hit the nail right on right on the head. And you know who else died of syphilis? Al Capone. Famously. Famously died of syphilis. But this was the 30s. And they didn't give a shit if he was going crazy from having syphilis. And they still sent him to federal prison in Pennsylvania. Nice. Yeah. And since AG&E went bankrupt, there was much reorganization of the company. The company produced many spinoff companies that we still have to this day, including the New York State Gas and Electric Company. Also, First Energy, which is where my dad recently retired from. And my dad... Did not get syphilis from working for this company. That you know of. That I know of. You're right. Shareholders of quote-unquote senior debt from AG&E received 80 to 40 cents on the dollar. But if you were part of the junior debt, it was too bad for you. So people lost a lot of money in this. People lost a lot of money. But a billion dollars evaluation, right? Is gone. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in an article I found from 1940, it did say he had heart disease, but somewhere else I found from back then said mental illness, but I'm pretty sure that it was syphilis. And it, I think that back then, because it's like the syphilis progressed so badly, it could cause both of these things. Hey, we get to choose which one it is now. Syphilis! You know, and it's, we, if we say it's syphilis, it's syphilis. It's syphilis. So, if you learn nothing else from today, wrap it before you tap it. Don your raincoat before going out into the storm. Just you got to have a third one. I'm sorry. It's I don't the, have a it's third one. It's the comedic one. rule of three. I know. So you can't just say two. I know. All right. Do you have one? Rubber before you hit the road. Stubber. No, I don't know any other funny like wear a condom. Rubber before you stubber. I just said one. And you made that up on the yeah, spot. Yeah, of it's- course I did. Hobson was released from prison in 1943, and he spent the rest of his life in Brooklyn Sanitarium. Oh, I love that place. Yeah, I know you went there for Christmas, right? Um, he died on December 22nd, 1949, in Greenwich, Connecticut, from a cerebral hemorrhage. He is buried in Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge, Massachusetts, if you would like to go visit his gravesite. Yeah, if that's something that you guys like to do, like, go visit the great like, sites yeah. of, of former <laughs> of white collar criminals. criminals from the early 1900s that died of uh, STIs. Um, I do kind of, you know what, the last 10 years of his life were pretty shitty. So I do feel a little bit bad about that, but like, mm, maybe you shouldn't have scammed everybody. Yeah, I mean, he seemed like. Also, never mind, that's really mean to say. Yeah, don't Who's climb. fucking the boss baby, you know what I mean? Is there an outro to the story? Yep, Maya? yep. Sorry. Here we go. It was lights out for Howard Hobson. <laughs> this is one of the few times here on White Collars Red Hands that we covered a story where not only did the person serve their jail time, but they also suffered from syphilis until they died. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's a first time for everything. 
Howard Hobson was a man who worked hard and ded- and was dedicated to his company. Unfortunately, he let his lust for wealth and women blind him and it caused him ultimate destruction. We can learn a lot from Howard Hobson. We learn that bribing may work short term and that billing yourself for your services at your company is sketchy. And also to wear a condom. Thank you so much for listening today. The white collars, red hands, branded condoms will be out soon, guys. I bet we could get. I bet we could get them. I bet T Public has them. No, T Public is not making making rain jackets for your little man. Okay. They have mouse pads. Why don't they have condoms? Those are very different things, Nina. Well, you're like, what the hell are we talking about, T Public? That's a way. We're going to go out of order today. Freestyle. What a good segue. Um, so, T Public, if you want to support us here on White Collars Red Hands, we have a freeway and an unfreeway. Let's talk about the unfreeway. We have merch from T Public where you can get anything a sweater. A t-shirt, a mug, a mouse pad. Apparently not condoms, but we're working on it. Sorry, bro. If you go to our website and you click on the link that says merch, it'll take you right there and you can buy cute little stuff for your Valentine. It's almost Valentine's Day. Nothing says I love you like a mug from White Collars Red Hands. Oh, you don't have any money? Me and Kashan don't either. So... Free ways to support us. You can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook.com slash White Collars Red Hands. Twitter at White Collars Pod. We are on Instagram at White Collars underscore Red Hands. We are, we are also on YouTube on Entertainment Buffet's page. Um, you can listen to our episodes. Kashawn makes cute little thumbnails. It's really great. Um, there's another thing. Oh, we have a website if you would like to check her out. It's www.whitecollarsredhands.com um, Another free way that you can support us is by rating our episodes. Rating us. Giving us a rating. Um, there we go. Anyways, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts. Um, our analytics show that about 80% of you are listening on Apple Podcasts right now. So if you could just give us a like, not a like, if you could give us a rating, maybe say a little something, we would really appreciate it. And now Spotify has ratings, and that's where we really desperately need some ratings. So if you could go over there, pop over there, and uh, give us a rating, we would really, really appreciate that. The final way you could support us is by um, suggesting episodes. If you have one, if you hear a white collar crime and you're like, oh, my God, Nina and Kashan would kill this. You can um, DM us or you can email us at whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. I think I covered it. It felt wrong because I went so out of order. Okay. Also, uh, the best way, the best way, the thing, the best thing you can do for us. There we go. There's words. The best thing you can do for us is to suggest us to people that you know mm-hmm. and like. If you like yes. our content, tell, talk about it with people. Say what you like. Um, say, say what you thought was funny. Say that you think all their syphilis jokes are really funny, even though they're talking about white collar crime. So you wouldn't think those two things go together, but they somehow do. They do here. So do that. And uh, I think I think that's it. That's all I got to add. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you on another episode of White Collars. Red Hands. Red Hands.